0: I had met Adam Sandler. Not just met him, I took him to the rack!
1: This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody.
2: Hello all. You know, I need to start today exactly where you imagined I might. By thanking the good people of Botswana. You heard that right. <laughs> I happen to subscribe to a, a podcast charting company that tells me every week how we're doing around the world.
3: You just happen to do that?
2: Yeah, I just happen to do that because I'm a stat freak. Um, a steek. It turns out we were the number four ranked sports podcast in all of Botswana, the South African nation. Wow. Somewhere right now in the, in the capital city of Gabron, a man is listening on his lunch break right now, and I am speaking directly to you, sir. Dumela Botswana. Liena Lemake Greg Cody. K Alaboga. Ke Agorata.
3: That sounded Italian.
2: Uh, I, I can't help that. That was me attempting to say in the Setswana language Hello, Botswana. My name is Greg Cody. Thank you. I love you. Now, I may have mistakenly said something like get those writhing eels out of the bottom of my boat but my intention was pure. Uh, in fact tonight in honor of Botswana I will be preparing a steaming bowl of the national dish seswa and chasing it with an ice cold chibuku shake shake.
3: None of that is well, true.
2: It is true. <laughs> As a matter of fact seswa is right in my wheelhouse. It's, it's like steamed beef which is fantastic. Now Welcome again to the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and of course Chris Cody, the other voice who keeps interrupting me. This is episode 18, which is significant because we're now legal. This podcast may now vote. Big rollicking show for you today. Beloved ESPN star Tim Kirchin is with us to talk baseball in the wake of MLB finally, finally having a summer startup plan like the other sports. But we talked to Tim about more than just baseball. Some fun stuff about him personally. We also have an off-the-wall interview. Uh, today, the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody interviews a guy named Greg Cody. The most mm-hmm.
3: narcissistic interview in the history of podcasts.
2: That's right. And and the beauty of it, unabashedly so. So, yeah, we're going to share stories about walking this earth as as a Greg Cody. Fun interview. Speaking of names, we teased a couple of weeks ago on the pod that we were going to start an alphabetical Mount Rushmore of names. And today we begin with the most popular American name starting with the letter A. This is from the Social Security Administration compilation of all U.S. names over the past 100 years. As Shirley Ellis sings the name game from 1964 in the background, we are debuting the top five Mount
3: Gregmore. Of A's So we're actually going with Mount Gregmore You've been putting up a fight on this What is the name that you've been fighting for? Well, I sort of wanted uh,
2: the Shirley Ellis Memorial Name Game A bit wordy But I'm the only one who's ever heard of Shirley Ellis So I got some blowback from uh, the younger generation on my uh, podcast staff
3: I feel like this podcast, when in doubt, go with narcissism So that is where we're going, I think I think it's a funnier name, it's quicker, it's not as wordy Mount Gregmore is the way to go but we're doing five instead of four so that's our twist on the, the whole thing yes let me get this straight so every week we're going to be doing a letter in order and the name we're going to be picking is the most popular name over the last hundred years whether it's female or male
2: right exactly and for example uh, building up to our king of A names over the past century uh, here's the top five number five Amy number four Amanda number three Ashley, the women are kicking ass. Number two, Andrew. And the number one A name we're featuring today in our Mount Gregmore debut, Anthony. Any Anthonys out there uh, within the sound of my voice, be proud. Be proud. You're number one. Now, here's my Mount Gregmore. Of all time, Anthony's, and I'm going to go in inverse order. I want to start off with a quick honorable mention and a special shout out to Anthony Trollope, the 1800s English novelist who, of course, wrote the Chronicles of Barsetshire.
3: Okay, <laughs> so that, is that the first name on your Mount Gregmore? Well, that's up there. That that's honorable mention. He didn't. Does, I didn't we... want to. No, enough with this. He's either on the Mount Gregmore or not. Like, there's no honorable mentions. Okay, it's called Mount Gregmore, not Mount Chrismore.
2: So, if I want an honorable mention, I'm going to have one. So, uh, Anthony Trollope, you didn't quite make the list. My number five Anthony of all time, the science in the storm, Dr. Anthony Fauci. My number four Anthony of all time, basketball star and eyebrow leader, Anthony Davis. Number three, NFL Hall of Famer, Anthony Munoz. Number two, creepy, psycho, shower curtain actor, Anthony Perkins. And we don't have enough money on the podcast to have a drum roll here. The number one Anthony of all time. I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Award-winning actor, Anthony
3: Hopkins. Wow, what a list! And we do have enough money for a drum roll, by the way. You just had a oh. drum roll. You said you weren't having one as you were having one. That's really <laughs> weird. Very interesting list by you. Of course, you you lean old. A couple of them I had never heard of. I have a Mount Gregmore of Anthony's, and I only shared one person from my list that's on yours. Wow, that's amazing. Go ahead, give me yours. I'm going to give you first the person that we carried over, the one person that's on mine that was on yours, the Brow himself. Anthony Davis. Um, the next name is Mark Anthony, the singer. I mean, come on. He's Wait got, a minute. That's a last name. Nah, semantics. Mark Anthony. The dude's got hits, banger after banger. Am I not? Allowed, did I break the rules there? What, what is well, it? I mean, I
2: don't. I don't do that. This is a the the the, the SAS, SSA SSA uh, names from the past hundred years are first names, not surnames. But you know, you're bending the official top five is obviously mine. Uh, but uh, we're allowing you your own, so you can do whatever rules you want.
3: All right. Well, well, I guess I'll put Carmelo Anthony in honorable mention then. All right. Moving on. Anthony Anderson, the actor. He's in Blackish. What? He was in The Departed. You don't know Anthony Anderson? Oh, now that
2: you say Blackish, but that's pretty obscure.
3: No, I mean, I, mean God, I, I didn't know any of the like the Anthonys that you picked. More people know Anthony Anderson than any of the like the first three names that you rattled off. All right. Next, two more. Joel Anthony, the warden. Oh
2: my God.
3: The Miami Heat, the warden, one of the best non scorers in NBA history. That's not true at all. That dude protected the rim for the big three heat. I love, come on, you got to love the warden.
2: That's number two.
3: Well, this is all in no particular order. I might have had Anthony Davis higher, but like, I'm just okay.
2: First of all, first of all, I demand that these be in inverse order. You got to go five, four, three, two, one. And for the future, starting with these, you got to do that. But anyway, your number one Anthony is who?
3: R.I.P. the late Anthony Bourdain. I loved that oh. dude. He had a great show. Just just a cool dude. You know Anthony Bourdain, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, truth be known, I almost included Anthony Bourdain as number five on my list, but he got bumped by Anthony Fauci at the last minute. That's, that's the truth. Recency um, bias. Okay. That was a good <laughs> debut. That was a good debut to... Uh, uh Mount Gregmore of Names. So and, uh, next we'll so
3: next week who's the B name? Do we want to tease so it or we'll just
2: I, I don't want to tease it because it's a surprise. Uh tune in next week for uh the next installment, the Bees. Now um let's get started here because uh we're gonna introduce and bring in um our friend of the podcast Tim Kerchen, and I wanna I want your perspective on this Christopher if we were casting uh from ESPN's uh stable of stars for someone to put on a sweater and play the role of Mr. Rogers, uh, it would be Tim Kirchin Wow, I could picture there's no that. Question. I
3: could picture him being Mr. Yes. Rogers.
2: There's just no question it would be Tim Kirchhoff. There's, so no, there,
3: there's no doubt Tim Kirchin puts his shoes on the same way Mr. Rogers did with just like oh, the, yes. the patience and the calmness right. of putting on exactly. your shoes. And with that
2: build-up, ladies and gentlemen, we bring into the podcast Mr. Rogers himself, Tim Kirchhoff. I appreciate you being back, Tim, because, you know, baseball finally agreed on a a restart plan. And I'm wondering, who won? Did did Rob Manford and the owners, or did the players come out better in this thing?
0: Well, I don't think anyone did, because they didn't agree upon it. They got a, a schedule implemented by the commissioner. And that was the second worst scenario you could have, the worst being, of course, that there is no season at all. But the fact that neither side could get together on this does not bode well for the future, for labor negotiations and everything else. But to answer your question, Greg, I'm still not sure what the plan that the, that was in was any better, worse for the players than the ones they actually accepted. In other words, if they had agreed to the previous proposal from the owners, I don't see a giant difference in if they had agreed in that. All they've done by rejecting it is allow themselves to file a grievance moving forward. And I don't know that much about grievances, but my guess is it's not going to be easy to win a grievance, and those grievances can take – years to figure out. So I'm a little confused in the end. I think it would have been better just to say, hey, we reached an agreement and had a symbolic shaking of the hands, but we didn't even get that. So I think both sides lose that they couldn't even, they bickered for so long and still couldn't come up with an agreement.
2: How bad does this make baseball look Uh, just in terms of not being there to, uh, to, to lift the country out of everything we're going through?
0: Well, it's a bad look for baseball. There's no way around that. And, you know, baseball, without being corny, Greg, has always served to help the morale of the country, to help to pull things out when things are really going poorly. Presidents have told us we need baseball to be played during a world war. It is good for the country. And here, when the country really needed baseball, Baseball wasn't there. So it blew a golden opportunity. Even if it was just for three weeks to play from July 4th till basketball and hockey and everything else, in theory, resume. So baseball missed a great financial opportunity, but more important, it missed an opportunity to tell the country, you're more important than we are. We're going to put our petty differences aside. We're not going to be settling scores or set up bargaining position for long term. We're going to do what's right for the health of the game and the morale of the country now. And they did not do a very good job putting that
2: together. Tim, maybe the answer is right now. What's the, the angriest or the most disappointed you've ever been in the sport of baseball?
0: Well, I covered the 81 strike. That was pretty bad. But I covered the 94 strike where they canceled the World Series, for goodness sakes. And they had a pretty darn good season going then. So I think that was, I'm not sure the angriest is the right term, but that was upsetting to say the least. This is on a level with that to repeat because of what's going on around us, protesters in the street, hundreds of hundreds of thousands of Americans out of work, a pandemic going on. This was the time to show everybody we're gonna help you. And baseball just wasn't there at the time.
2: The 60 game season uh, looming, does a delayed shortened season favor anybody in terms of pitchers or hitters, do you think?
0: Well, I think it favors our mild contenders, our subpar, sub-500 teams. The beauty of baseball, as you know, Greg, is you can get hot in baseball. Even if you're not a very good team, you can play really well for 40 games, maybe 50, even 60. It's the 162 that wears you down. This is why over 162, Sparky Anderson used to tell me, That's the barometer of how good you are. Nobody fakes it through 162 games. But unlike basketball, where no bad team went into Chicago Stadium and beat Michael Jordan on his home court in his prime, it happens all the time that bad teams go into Dodger Stadium and Yankee Stadium and win games. That's the beauty of the sport. So I think it really helps – all sub-500 teams, and at least gives them an opportunity, an opportunity that they wouldn't have after 162 because the Dodgers or the Yankees would just wear them down relentlessly with their talent and their resources and their depth. So I think that's kind of the cool part of a bad situation is everyone is going to have a chance. You have to look at it like, oh, my gosh, we're at the end of July, and every team is still in it. And the next 60 games is a mad dash to the finish. Even I, a purist myself, can see the benefit of that.
2: In that spirit, I would like to make news on the podcast here. I would like you to boldly predict that the Miami Marlins will make the playoffs and uh, and, and have a great shot to actually reach the World Series.
0: All right. I told you about the beauty of baseball, Greg. I'm <laughs> not a complete idiot, okay? Okay. <laughs> The Orioles, the Tigers, and the Marlins are not going to the playoffs. I don't care if the season is six games long, okay? <laughs> they are just some teams that are in major rebuilds. Those teams are in major rebuilds. Even in a major rebuild, you can't be good for 60 games. So sorry, Marlins fans, Orioles fans, Tigers fans, and there are a few other teams out there it's We're going to give you a chance from the start, and then we're going to write you off pretty quickly because the talent level just doesn't match up.
2: Baseball has always been so fascinated with statistics and, and numbers, and a 60-game season is just going to throw everything upside down. You're, you, you, theoretically, you know, the, the league leader in pitching victories is going to have like six or something. Uh, what stat are you most interested in see in seeing play out over such a short season?
0: Well, frankly, I'm not that interested at all in the individual stats because I'm sorry. If somebody hits 400 this year, Jose Altuve hits 400, I will tip my cap because anyone who hits 400 in a 60-game period, and it's happened, you know, multiple times is since Ted Williams, but still, Ted Williams will be the last 400 hitter in my mind because hitting 460 games is not the same as 162 plus if jacob de has a 1.10 era i will tip my cap to him and say that's amazing you are an amazing pitcher but you're not bob gibson from 1968's 1.12 which was the lowest in the live ball era 1920 on those are where i draw the line And I'm hoping baseball will look at this and say, all right, fellas, within reason. The beauty of baseball is how hard the game is to play, and it gets harder as the season goes along because you start to get worn down by the number of pitches or the number of at-bats or just the sheer length of the season. So I'm not going to recognize any individual stats, and yet we'll have a fight over should we have an MVP, should we have a Cy Young. There are performance bonuses for those things and it's going to be real interesting to see how they are dealt with.
2: I have serious doubts whether baseball and these other sports are going to be able to pull off this you know isolated remote games in the middle of a pandemic. Just as an example the other day the NBA tested 302 players and 16 tested positive. That's a pretty big percentage. That's more than five percent and surely in, in baseball we're going to see test positives. If you were a betting man, does baseball pull this off and and see its season through a World Series, or do you think it's going to be forced to abort for any reason before then?
0: Well, unfortunately, I'm an optimist by nature, so I'm going to say with great hesitation, I think we're going to play this year. Now, how long we're going to play, I'm not sure. But I share the same concerns with you, Greg. I mean, just look at what's going on in the country Look what's going on in the state of Florida, Arizona, Texas. There's some places that are hit hard again by this. And for baseball to try to pull it off in 30 different ballparks, which I can't imagine happening, is going to be an exceptional challenge. Here we have the NBA that's worried about playing in a bubble in a situation that seems much more controlled to me I don't know how baseball is going to pull this off, but I can tell you this. They are working every possible angle to make sure this works. But if it doesn't work at all, if there are no games at all this year, I would not be surprised in the least. And in a way, as terrible as it sounds, if your season is canceled by a virus, we'll all understand that. What we won't understand is a season that is canceled because you guys couldn't get it together for the financial part of it. That would have been the worst case
2: scenario. Well put Tim. Uh, as I wrote the other day, um, seeing all this play out over the next couple of months is going to be fun and frightening at the same time. It's, it's just uh, uncharted territory. Tim, before we let you go, I'd, I'd like to end uh, on a on more of a fun note than, than all this serious talk. I'm curious If you have a chance to see a music concert by any act, living or dead, who are you going to see?
0: I'm 63, and I've been to three concerts in my entire life. Dan Fogelberg in college on a date, that was a disaster. When my daughter was in the seventh grade, I took her to see Yellow Card. But I thought Green Card, because I got it mixed up with Green Day, so I kept calling it (laughs) Green Card. And having been to one concert in my life, I took five seventh-grade girls, one of whom was my daughter, to the concert which was supposed to start at 7.30. The main act, Yellow Card, not Yellow Day, went on at 10.30 at night. There were like 6 warm-up bands. It's a school night, and I've got five seventh-grade girls with me and all by myself. I must have called their parents 30 times. Sorry, there's another act coming on here. So that was a disaster in its own right. And then on the day we took our daughter Kelly to college, I went to see, we went to see Kenny Chesney. So it's the eclectic mix of Dan Fogelberg, Yellow Card, and Kenny Chesney. And to answer your question, I would go see Elton John, that would be my number one guy that I would like to see. When I went to the University of Maryland in 1974, I knew absolutely nothing about music, and sadly, I still don't know anything. I thought Molly Hatchett was a woman, until about <laughs> a year ago, when someone explained, it's a band, not a woman. So, Elton John was the, the guy that we listened to in our dorm. Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road played like every day of my freshman year. And I, I think Elton John is great. I thought the movie about him was great. So he would be the guy that I would like to go see in person today. I would like to have seen him probably better in his prime, but I'm sure he's still great.
2: Well, Tim, I, I don't want to make you jealous, but Elton John happens to be – my favorite artist of all time, and I've probably seen him in concert at least a dozen times, so, uh, so there. But yeah, th- that's a good one because he does put on a, a terrific live show even now at his age. Um, when in your life were you the coolest? Maybe the answer is right now. Maybe it's when you were a senior in high school or college. When was Tim Kirchhen the coolest?
0: Well, there's only been one day that I've ever been cool in my whole life and that was on Halloween 2001. I went with Steve Russian of Sports Illustrated, and he invited me up to the Reebok Club. This is before a World Series game, okay, 2001. And we go into the Reebok Club, and we're shooting some hoops, and I have to leave any minute, and in come these two guys and say, hey, you want to play some hoops? And one of them was Adam Sandler. So I ended up playing two-on-two, against adam sandler and a guy who was the worst basketball player i've ever seen so we steve russian and i killed adam sandler's team like five games in a row we could have played 500 games in a row we would have won them all but the reason i was cool was when i was done i called home the kids were relatively young at the time like you know maybe 10 and eight And I said, you guys are not going to believe what I did today. And they said, what, did you get to talk to Derek Jeter again? I said, no, I played two-on-two with Happy Gilmore. And they (laughs) thought it was the greatest thing ever. And then when I went to the compound that night, the ESPN compound at Yankee Stadium, people generally asked me, like, what'd you do today? So I told them the truth. I played with Adam Sandler, and all the young production assistants were just apoplectic at the thought that I had met Adam Sandler. Not just met him, I took him to the rack. It was like the greatest thing ever.
2: <laughs> that That is cool, I have to admit. Uh, but that that's...
0: was it, Greg. That's the only day ever. It's the only day the kids <laughs> ever looked at me like, Dad isn't some dorky baseball guy. He <laughs> actually has some art to him. He actually has some some pop culture to him because I played basketball with Adam Sandler.
2: But you had that one day.
0: Right. Um, It took until I was 40, you know, 45 years old, but I
2: got it. Final question. What's the most awkward exchange you've ever had with a a reader or a fan who recognized you out in public?
0: Well, it was really awkward. It was at the All-Star Game in Houston many years ago, and the kids were young, really young. They were like, I would say, seven and five, and were walking out of... The ballpark there to go meet up with my wife and a fan came up to me and like tackled me in the parking lot he probably had 200 beers i would guess and he said oh my god it's tim kirchen i love you i love you i want to marry you i want to marry you and my daughter who's seven is going Dad, you're already married. You can't do that. It was so bad in a parking lot outside Minute Maid Park that a big, grown, drunk, fat man asked me to marry him right in front of my daughter. That was bad.
2: So you said no, I take it.
0: I said no, and I assured my daughter, no worries, honey. We're going to meet mom. It's
2: all good. <laughs> That's hilarious. Tim, uh, as always, really appreciate your time Uh Thanks so much, honestly.
0: Nice to see you, Greg, and thank you, Chris Cody. See you, Tim. Chris, thank you. Can you hear me, Chris?
2: Yeah, he can hear
0: I was driving around today. The Dr. Phil encroachment thing is the single funniest thing you <laughs> have ever said. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> that was hilarious. All right, Greg, I'll see you guys soon, all right? All right, Tim.
2: Thanks again. All right, Tim Kerchen, thank you very much. As always, uh, I'm glad that conversation ended the way it did. Give us a little more, Doctor Phil, right now.
1: What
3: are you doing? <laughs> the the context that I did it on the show was because <laughs> we found out he was a middle linebacker or a linebacker at Tulsa in his college days. So it became what? so the, the bit became me saying football terms as Doctor Phil. <laughs> I love a good squib kick. Flea flicker, flea flicker. (laughs) But uh, can I make fun of you for something about the Tim Kirchner interview real fast? Sure. I can't imagine what, but go ahead. You said at one point that you had only seen Elton John close to a dozen times. And I know as your son, you completely undersold that. Like you've seen him easily, I'd say 30 times. Is there a sense of you that's insecure of how obsessed you are with Elton John? So you want to almost downplay how many times you've seen him? You, uh, like a psychiatrist,
2: I feel like I'm on a Naugahite Naga- couch right now. Uh, you have ferreted out of me uh, the truth. I am a little insecure of my uh, fandom because I not only see him when he comes to South Florida to play. You, tra- you travel to see him. I mean, we've seen him in Las Vegas twice. I've, right. I've flown to Atlanta to see You've him. have seen uh, him
3: in Las Vegas a dozen times, it feels like.
2: No, I've seen him in Las Vegas twice. I know, I'm uh, being we sarcastic. To, I mean, I'm, I'm a pra-
3: freaky Be proud, Greg Cody. Don't be ashamed (laughs) of how many times you've seen Elton John.
2: You know what? It's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because not everybody likes Elton John. Some people look down on him, think he's too lightweight or anything compared to the David Bowies and some of the heavier guys, but uh, that's okay.
3: I think now we should get to the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody interview with Greg Cody.
2: Yes, indeed. Uh, This
3: guy... I feel like this doesn't need any setup. This is an interview... A man named Greg Cody interviewing another man named Greg Cody.
2: Yes, let's bring him on. Greg Cody's wild right now. Greg Cody's are wild in the deck.
3: I feel like my setup was fine. That's fine. Erase mine. That's (laughs) the beauty of editing.
2: So now let's welcome to the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody. Greg Cody. Uh, This is weird. Uh, Hi, hi Greg. And and I want to welcome you by... By first asking, is this the first time you've ever spoken with another Greg Cody?
1: Yes, certainly. It's <laughs> uh, I've seen a few around, and when I started to um, do things in my life that were worthy of googling, I started googling myself, and that's when I I actually I knew about you. I, I've actually known about you, Greg Cody, right. for quite a while now. <laughs> I've also in the past had. Uh, some people tweet at or Facebook or Instagram me uh, who did not necessarily agree with your sports opinions coming after me a little bit here in in Texas. And I I would kindly say, I don't live in Miami, and I have no opinion on the Dolphins. Uh, That's the wrong guy. Sorry about that.
2: Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll get into that more in a minute. But first, uh, the important stuff, which is wandering through life with the name Greg Cody, because it's one of those weird uh, names. It's not exceptionally rare, but neither is it common by any means. Right. Uh, and, and I'm wondering because um, I have a pet peeve against Gregs who spell their name with two G's on the end. How do you feel about that controversy?
1: I've always been okay with it. I just pronounce it as Gregaga. Uh, <laughs> that is what and one of my, my dearest friends all the way through high school, her father's first name was Greg with two G's. And I would refer to him as Gregaga. Yeah, good dude. Are, now, are you are you a Gregory?
2: I am a Gregory. How about you? Okay, yeah,
1: same. Yeah, that's that was. I find often that the two G's, it's just Greg, as if putting the second G really puts a stop on the name.
2: Right. You know, I, I I'm not having a superiority complex here, but I feel like Gregs who spell the name traditionally, G R E G, look down on double G Gregs. I just feel like that. That's just me.
1: I don't know that I look down on them, but I definitely. It feels weird. It feels wrong.
2: It does feel wrong. And you yeah. know what else uh, is, a, is a, in my menagerie of pet peeves is uh, when people refer to me as Craig with a C. Ooh,
1: cannot. Is that the worst?
2: That's the worst, right?
1: It's, it's real bad. Yeah. It's, it's also bad because I feel like you have to enunciate real hard when introducing yourself, and then you sound like a jerk, like, hi, I'm Greg. And I then do people, think you're, people are not quite sure what to do with that, which is no fun. But yeah, no, I can't stand a Craig. I, I, I teach, and every now and then I'll have some students or fellow teachers be like, hey, Craig, or Greg, and I'm like, ah, I've worked yeah. here four years. You know, know. my name. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, wh-
2: what are the, the ways your, uh, our surname uh, has been mispronounced?
1: Oh, I mean, Coat, obviously. That's how I used to take attendance in gym in high school. They would call out Coat, and I would respond, Cody. And that's how they knew I was here. <laughs> it happened every day. Um, Cote, obviously, which I think are, I, I don't know about your family lineage, but from what I understand on my father's side, we go, uh, we're Quebecois way back. Mm. And so we probably were Cote at some point, and then it got changed. Uh, but I get that sometimes. For me, it's often the spellings when people hear my name and they spell it weird. Right. Like, like, with the why?
2: With a Y. With a
1: Y or C-O-D-Y. They think it's the first name, Cody. I got C-O-T-Y-E from a teacher once in school, and that blew my mind. (laughs) Um,
2: Yeah, that's a little exotic. Um, uh, My my worst is caught, uh, as if it were K-O-T. That's that's one that gets under my skin. Um, I tell you,
1: one time when I was a kid, my family went to like an Easter brunch, and we put our name in, and the person must have written it down. And so normally we we answered a coat. We'll answer to coal sometimes, you know, like we, we know what to look for, but these people kept calling Coke, like the soda and they called it like three times and they were like Coke. And my dad was like, do you think that's us? I don't think that's us. And he goes up to the host and was like, is it Michael Coke? And they were like, yeah, party of four. And he was like, yeah, that's us. All right. Well, yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> I've never gotten Coke as a, as a yeah. mispronunciation, so you're, you're one up on me. You, you mentioned Quebec. Give me a sense of your roots, because I want to rule out that I'm not like your long-lost, distant uncle or something, because my lineage is also sort of that eastern Canada, northeastern United States, Massachusetts type thing. Um,
1: oh, we might be, man. My uh, father is from Tilton, New Hampshire. And I was born in Exeter. My mom grew up in Westboro. She was a Williamson, but like, I have a lot of family. That New England is my my long home. I now live in Houston, but were, yeah, um, New England. And but the thing is, is we don't really know my dad's family super well. So who knows, man? You might pop up on my myancestry.com. I don't know.
2: Yeah, if I do, let me know. Would you? Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll start sending you uh, Christmas gifts every year or uh, birthday. So we a
1: dolphin's hat.
2: <laughs> um, Greg, I found out about you. Um by Googling my name in connection with songs that I had sung, little jingles on the radio and everything. And, and mm. I, I learned that there's a Greg Cody in Houston who sings. And I, I come to find out that you do more in the arts than just singing. Uh, tell us what you do for a living and, and like how people can find your work.
1: My main job is uh, I'm a teacher. Uh, I teach theater uh, at a school, but I'm a professional actor in the city or I, I was until uh, all of, performance shut down because of the pandemic and i also do anime voiceovers uh for like the english dubs of, of japanese anime uh wow. i do those that's that's the thing that i am often googled the most for um and then yeah i have a i have a, a solo project slash band that's a, a pop punk band in houston that uh seven people really like so that's cool
2: <laughs> but those who love like it love it am i right those
1: who lo- really into it, which I appreciate, but yeah, it's like seven of them, seven, seven to ten. And and what's
2: the name of your band?
1: Greg Cody and the Real Life Friends. All right.
2: That's not a very punk sounding name. Can I say that?
1: No, we're, we're real positive. It's, it's, it's mostly about all my weird feelings, um, which also at a time like this, uh, nobody really cares. So uh, (laughs) I would, I would rather people go listen to people that have something uh, very important to say at a time like this right now.
2: Well there's one um there's one avenue of your art I think uh based on a, a website that I saw that that really interests me because I think this may be the first time in my life that Greg Cody has ever spoken to a Greg Cody who happens to be a puppeteer.
1: Oh yeah. I don't know why I didn't say it. yeah. I um yeah, I love puppetry and I uh I recently completed the O'Neill National Puppetry Conference. I was accepted this year at the O'Neill Theater Center. Um it was done online this year, which was a little weird, but, uh, yeah, I do a lot of shadow puppetry is my favorite, but I, I like to build weird stuff and I have a company called Lo-Fi puppets, L O F I. And we make stuff out of cardboard and tape and sheet paint. And, um, it's just sort of an excuse to make things that make people go, what the hell is that? And be into it for a little bit. So yeah, you can check out low fi puppets. That's a, that's a big one. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I, I feel like, um, Anyone who is into puppetry is automatically uh, more interesting than I am. So that, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's good to to meet your acquaintance. Uh, um, I wanted to ask you finally um, to, to elaborate a little bit more on the times that people have referred to you, whether mistakenly thinking you're me or maybe you know somebody who's a Levitard show fan. I don't know. Just the times that uh, that I've been referred to in the context of, uh, of your life?
1: Very often, the thing that happened the most is my Instagram tag used to just be at Greg Cody. Uh, and so I would get a lot of people like pictures of either you on TV or screenshots of stuff you wrote and either people being really on board, but sometimes I would get some messages that were like, you don't know about Miami football? like you know i'd get those every now and then and i'd be like hey man i don't even live in there i don't give a sh- about the dolphins i don't give a sh- about football f- off. why are we doing this um it didn't happen often but that's how i sort of i was aware of you before and then what was nice is that wasn't a total surprise so i wasn't immediately like "Who's this f- guy i was like oh they're mad at the guy in miami okay Um, or it was people who like want to have a nice talk and they're like have you thought about this draft from blah 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 like in reference to something you might have been talking about and I'm like again I don't want to talk about the Marlins man I don't I don't have any interest like it just
2: my dream is that the reverse will happen and I will begin getting asked about puppetry and teaching drama and stuff like that from people who mistake me for you. That, that would be an interesting synchronicity that I'm, I'm looking forward to happening.
1: Yeah. If that happens, send them my way. I'll, I'll let you know.
2: Greg Cody uh, from Greg Cody. I want to uh, thank you for joining us on the Greg Cody show with Greg Cody.
1: Thank you so much. If I could say uh, one more thing, there's, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. And uh, the pandemic has, just completely destroyed a lot of arts organizations. So please uh, donate money. If I could plug one thing, it is to sure. donate some money to uh, an arts organization in your town, especially an arts organization that is run by people of color, um, because they are constantly the ones being hit the hardest. And especially at this moment, uh, it's, it's a really rough thing out there for any artist in your life uh, of any sort. So please donate to any arts organization if you can. in this time that is my big plug for your listeners.
2: Thanks for being on, and let me know if I can ever uh, return the favor in any way.
1: Yeah, man. It was great talking to you.
2: See you. All right. We've had so much fun today. Uh, I have no time left. I got to get out of here. Thanks to Greg Cody. Thanks to Tim Kirchin Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Podcast family, really, really appreciate your support. And we're just getting started. See you next week. Did you just thank yourself? I did. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.